time to go waka armoring. Uh, Mark Malaki Williams, is that a term? Can I say let's go waka armoring? Uh, uh, morning, Stephen. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I guess no, I haven't really heard that one waka armoring before. <laughs> you can say you go paddling <laughs> waka armor, but um, no, that's yeah, that, I'll let that slip. Okay, that's I, I, I would like to think you drop that in <laughs> and just to run a few of your mates uh, this weekend in Karapita and say, man, let's go waka armoring and just see how it goes because you know you're the OG, right? And I and I, I know we've worked together for some twenty odd years, but I didn't realise sure. that, that this had been an enormous passion for you. You represented New Zealand, and how many national titles do you have? I've uh, been fortunate enough now to win maybe seven or eight national titles and maybe five world championship titles too. Oh, okay. So, you, th- yeah. you threw that one in. Five, <laughs> five world championship titles. So, okay, that's, that's blown me away even again, Mark. So uh, what disciplines have you won your championships in? Yeah, so the, basically the Blue Ribbon event, the Blue Ribbon event in the Wakama National is the 500-meter uh, six-man sprint. And that's the one that everybody wants to win. It's like the hundred meters in the in the in the Olympics hundred meter final. So, and uh, yeah, I've been fortunate. Uh, my team that I've paddled in has won that for the last yeah, seven or eight eight times. I think it is. Oh my! And six God. of them in a row. So. Oh, okay. just, very, very competitive. Just keep there. stacking it up, baby. Just keep rolling those times. <laughs> and you're going to go again this year, aren't you? Yeah. So. Um, I'm still competing, and albeit nowadays in the, it's in the Masters division, which is still uh, com- as competitive as, as when I was in the, in the Premier grades. But, yeah, there's got to be a few paddlers down there um, throughout the whole week. I think 3,000, over 3,000 paddlers, and it's 500 more than last year from, from the last I, I read in the, in the release. Uh, there's about 73 clubs from throughout New Zealand, and also there's a, there's a few entries from Fiji, Canada. So, because the, because the event is so well run and it's a world class event, a lot of countries want to come and, and be part of it as well. Because um, you know, Lara Collins and the, and the crew who run that event is you know, they, everyone wants to come and learn off them and how they can you know take it back to their nation. Well, well, Mark, when you think that the first club was established on the east coast in 1985, and now you've got you're talking 73 clubs in that period mm. since 1985, where do you think the explosion in popularity has come from? Yeah, that's a good question, Stephen. I think it's a, it's a very unique sport because it's super competitive. And like uh, for example, this year the youngest paddler there will be five, five years old, and I think the oldest is about 83. So, so it's a sport that like anyone at any age can pick up and just run with it. And you can be as competitive as you want to be, or as as leisurely as you want to be. But eventually, people start you know, as they get here and they don't get fitter and fitter. Um, you know, it's, it's an easy sport to pick up. You know, you, you have the canoe plus the outrigger there, so the balance is not really quite an issue, which is a different thing, say, something like rowing or, or kayaking. And because so many people can easily pick it up, so really just, yeah, a lot of clubs pop up. You can be out in the ocean. You don't get injured, you know, so a lot of former rugby players like to come and sort of keep, uh, keep in shape and, and still be competitive, but, you know, save the joints and the knees and the shoulders. Oh, man. Uh, you mentioned a five-year-old. So would they be running in, in uh, little teams and running uh, sort of, you know, paddling 100 or 50 metres uh, on, on, the, on the lake? Yeah, so the youngest, uh, the midgets, which is sort of 
at any age from under under 13. Now, they, some of them race 250 meters in a straight line and also uh, 500 meters also, but they do that in a in sort of a, in two fifty meter sprint. So they, you know, pedal up to 250 meters and then they turn at a flag and then they come back. So it's really cool seeing all the kids get involved as well. And then, you know, once the kids are done, then the parents get involved, and then the grandparents get involved. So everyone, it's just a brilliant weekend of racing. So, so it becomes a generational sport. Exactly, exactly. And the lifestyle that comes with it is also, it's just a, a bike club, but also, you know, it's, like I said before, the injuries, uh, you don't get injured as much, but you do get fit. The community is really supportive. You're out on the water. There's nothing like... You know, if you go out kayaking or swimming, you know, there's, there's a sense of energy that you feel when you, when you finish, not just training, but also racing, which is kind of hard to find anywhere else, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah I do. That makes sense. It makes complete sense. Where Are you in Karapiro at the moment? Because your reception's a bit, a bit crusty. I can hear you clearly, but are you, are you in Karapiro at the moment? Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm still in Mount Wellington, so we're going to drive down until uh, Tuesday. <laughs> Just in Mount Wellington. Uh, great, great comms in the, the country's in the country's biggest city. Hey, um, you, you mentioned kayaking. So, why did you why did you go the Waka Arm away? Yeah, good. Another great question. The 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 reason why was when I first started. Um, it was uh, basically a way my cousins were doing it, and one of my, my family was involved in sort of helping that youth, uh, at risk youth back in you know, when I was in my, my teenage days. And Wakama was one of the ways we used to take kids out that were sort of in trouble with the law to, to yeah. show them a different path. Wow. So it was just kind of something that's always been in my family, and then like. Um, and as I got more involved in it, you, know, you get better at it and then you start coaching and then you have a bit of success. So, And kayaking wasn't really something that we had on the, in South Auckland and where we kind of primarily grew up. So we had Wakaama. And um, now it's funny you should ask about kayaking because we've got some top athletes from the Wakaama backgrounds that I'm now crossed over to do kayaking. And one of our superstars at the moment, his name is uh, Casey Nataki, in only three years, he's now in the, in the New Zealand men's program uh, trialling for an Olympic spot. So oh, wow. there's definitely pathways there too, yeah. That, that's really cool. That, 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 that is amazing. Do you have to be the strongest to be good at Wakaama? No, no. Wakaama is, is in outrigger paddling and hiking, is a, is a very technical sport. So being strong is, is important, but also... Um, Technique is almost just as important as being strong. So, you know, if you have two athletes who train at exactly the same intensity for various amount of years, the one who usually moves more efficiently ends up at the top. It's like swimming, you know. The, whoever has the, the best sort of fluid motion in the, in the water, the best technique, generally comes on the top. So it's a combination of being fit, being technically uh you know, your technique has got to be on point as well and then, you know, also the enjoyment factor as well. How much off-water work do you have to do if you're going to be serious about winning a national title? Yeah. So the, the funny thing about the Wakama Nationals is because of where it's held, which is sort of, well, mid-January, next week, mid-January, the really serious paddlers, the, the competitive ones, and it's like, from the ages of 16 right up to the 80s, there's very, very competitive guys here. So there's no, there's, 
no one really kind of has an off period during the Christmas and New Year's. Everyone goes on holiday, and the really serious races are at home training. You know, they're not they're not going to the work parties and and yeah. having beers, and they're not they're not you know boozing up in Christmas or New Year's or something like that. So uh, you're looking at top guys, top teams. They're training like six, seven days a week. Some of them twice a day just to kind of, you know, have a chance to make it into the final and then, you know, get into a podium position. So it's very, it's, it's not a professional sport, but the top guys put in, it's almost like a professional environment, if, it, if that makes sense. No, no, completely. Do you, do you think there, yeah. is, there is an opportunity or there are enough countries in Wakaama to maybe go professional one day? Because it's, it's an exciting sport to watch. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, um, yeah, we've had this conversation like many years now, you know, whether it should be included in the Olympics and, and or in the comp games at least. And I've always been a proponent for it. I always, you know, thought it would be it's such a, it is, you're right, it's an exciting sport. And to put it in, in context, the last World Championships, and there was about 24, 25 different countries that were there. And there was, there was even a team from Morocco as well, which was, um, was mind-blowing too, if I remember right. And then, you know, so um, I think all the continents have clubs now, if I remember, if I remember right. There's obviously Oceania, Europe, Africa. I think Africa was the one that we, there's, there's a couple of clubs in there now too. So there's definitely countries, you know, that are starting to pick it up. Brazil is another up-and-coming nation. So um, it continues to grow. So whether it one day, hopefully, I'll probably be in my seventies by the time I'm in the next <laughs> well, 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 maybe it's maybe it's something maybe it's something you could think about doing anyway, and, and starting to push a few buttons with with all your connections. I mean, it, you get you get the sense that it's it's something that exciting that can happen. I want to talk about storytelling. Do you see Waka Armour as a a platform to tell stories about clubs and people and lives and generations? Yes. That's that's exactly what it is. For example, as, as as I was saying before about how I got into it, you know, my family was in, was was into it because we used it as a vessel not only to co- connect back to you know our culture, but also it was something to get you know the young people who kind of weren't doing anything at the time in the in the neighbourhood to you know to get active, to get fit, and to send them overseas to you know, experience racing and to basically get out of the hood. And I know that uh, this sport around the country, you know, places like Gisborne and um, Barafiti and up north as well, the, there are people there who are trying to use Wakaama as a vehicle for young people to, to, to jump into, and to take part into, you know. And um, I think that once... Young people find a, a vehicle or a sport that they can commit to, and they understand what you know what sacrifice and, and being resilient is. Because that's what it takes, you know, to, to succeed. You need to turn up to training. You need to look after yourself. You need to look after your nutrition. You can't go out on the on the drink the night before if you've got training in the morning type thing. So, I think there's definitely storytelling about you know using. I guess with any other sport, but I know from a fact that Wakaama is, is very big on, on that because to be successful, there's a lot of things that you have to do off the water to prepare yourself properly. And, you know, there are, you know, there's, 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 all, there's problems throughout all of 
you know, New Zealand, Aotearoa in, in terms of you know, social issues and drugs and all of that. But I think having something like Wakama, you know, just gives young people a bit more access to something that's, I guess, not rugby, but also in a, you know, in a supportive environment where they can push themselves, be on the ocean and enjoy it. Because New Zealand looks different when you're looking from the water back into it. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people just look from the beach looking up, but it's very rare to go out there and then you look back at it. So that's, a, that's another cool way of looking at it. How do, you, how do you view the world when you're on the water? Ah, it's my happy place. It's so peaceful. It's just... Paddlers would know. It's, I guess it's like surfers too. And, spiritual. You know, always, people are spiritual. It's very spiritual. And like, I've always said this too. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, Stephen, but, you know, if you're, if you're doing a workout sometimes in the gym, you know, you, and it's, you basically just ruined yourself. The whole yeah. workout, you come out, you're feeling, um, you know, you're about half dead. But when you finish a, a canoe workout or a wakama workout, you come off the water and you just feel alive. There's just something about the, the energy you get from the water. Yeah. That you, know, you come home and you, like your eyes are brighter, you just feel, you know, more at peace and your body feels refreshed. It's, it doesn't feel, even if the workout was hard, you know, as soon as you recover, you come off, you're like, man. And you feel like you can start the day and just, so it's, it's, it's something that I've never felt from any other sport. And I think that's kind of maybe what keeps people coming back. You like, you don't get injured, you get really fit, you get strong, you know, you still look ripped when you're in your 40s. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> those, 40, those 40s have gone. But you know what, Mike, I can totally connect with that whole water vibe. I mean, I just love yeah. being near the water. For me, being around the water is, is, like, is like my zen, my yoga that I don't do. If you know what I mean, it's like instant calm, and 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 I, and, yeah. and I can I completely get that. Look, there's so many classes, but uh, how many carrots are out there to uh, go to the to the worlds? I mean, if you win a class, do you get the chance to be selected? What's the story, and how does that yeah. work out? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so this year happens to be a world championship year. So, so in August this year, the world sprint champs are over in Hawaii and on the big island of Hawaii in Hilo. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the special thing about the nationals this year is that it's a qualification round for, the, for clubs and people who want to represent New Zealand over there. So there's a lot, a lot on the line, especially for these. So a lot of people have been, uh, you know, training very hard. And, and um, so the way the world champs work is the elite world championships, which is the first three days, and it's one country, uh, one team per country, so one team from New Zealand, one team from uh, uh-huh. Australia, one team from Brazil, and so on. And you can have up to maybe 27-odd countries there. Then after the first three days of, of that racing, and then the, the whole event turns into the, the club world championship. So all the best clubs from around the world get together, and then that takes place over like seven, possibly seven days. And then so for the clubs in New Zealand to want to represent New Zealand, uh, at the world champs, they have to go to these nationals and place it in the top four or five in the finals to qualify them a spot to go. Um, and, and so, yeah, you've got to have teams that are, you know, trying to gun for top three, top four to to to, to lock in their place to represent New Zealand. Is is it an expensive sport, and is it easily accessible for people <laughs> thinking about it? It is. It is. It, but it depends. It depends on the level. Obviously, you know, it's not expensive in terms of, you know, if you want to join a club, 
It doesn't matter where you are in, in New Zealand. There should be a club near you. And and um, all you would need, and I usually the pubs will have paddles for you to borrow if you want to get started. And I would suggest if for people who want to you know, look into it, just go on the wakaama.co.nz website and there's and navigate yourself to where the club list is. And there should be a club around your region that's closest to you. And then contact them. And when, to answer your question, I mean, all you need to do is turn up. You know, they show you what kind of paddle you need, and the canoe should all be there. And then, you know, if you start paddling in a big boat canoe, uh, the club owns it, so you don't have to buy anything. If you want to get serious, then then you'll probably have to start spending some money to buy yourself, uh, you know, a, a single outrigger canoe that you can go out on your own in. And that depends on that. The high-end ones are closer to say nine thousand dollars, wow. and then you can get sort of an entry model one, which is maybe you know three and a half, five, four and a half grand, depending on how you know on the on the layup and all of that. But once you get the equipment, you know, there is some cost involved. But once once it's there, you know, that's it. Last for yeah, exactly. Mark, I have thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you today. Uh, you, you secret squirrel you about how, how good you are, <laughs> world championships and multiple national championships. Uh, pleasure, man. Best of luck. Uh, uh, champ starts Sunday, go right through the 20th. And uh, go get it again, buddy, you old master, you. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it.